Hello and welcome to this episode of the Complete Interpreter podcast, the podcast by me, Sophie Llewellyn-Smith, otherwise known as The Interpreting Coach. This is the podcast where you will find all things interpreting skills and mindset and nothing on marketing so far, but that day may come. If you enjoyed the show, please do go and look at the show notes and find the link that says support the show and then you can help me with the hosting costs. Right, today I want to talk about fillers. Now I'm going to talk about two words that are used very commonly in British English and in American English these days that used to be less common and that I consider problematic and many others consider problematic. And those two words are like and so. And the reason I've chosen to record this podcast is because one of my coaching clients said to me the other day, can you explain to me why I have been told not to use the word so? And I can imagine exactly why she's been told not to use or overuse the word so in certain contexts and when it is used in a certain way. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. But I'm going to start with the word like. Of course, I'm not talking about the meaning of, for example, the verb to like. I'm not going to talk about sentences like, I like eggs in the morning. And indeed, you may have spotted that there were several instances of the word like in that sentence, because I also uttered the phrase, I'm not going to talk about words like. You can draw a comparison with the word like. And that's all perfectly fine. I am going to talk about the use of the word like that is, according to some people, lazy and stupid and completely meaningless in a sentence. A lot of people also seem to think that it's something that women say more than men, although the data doesn't necessarily support that. So they consider it to be a mannerism of speech that can make you sound lazy or uneducated, that can make you miss out on job opportunities if, for example, you say like all the time in an interview. And there was actually an episode of the TV programme called Love Island. I don't watch Love Island. (laughs) I just read about this. In 2017, where in the space of five minutes, 76 likes were uttered. That's one like every four seconds. Now, I don't know what you think of the word like, I confess I find it extremely irritating and my children who are teenagers have a tendency to say like but they say it a lot less than some of their friends and relatives and sometimes when I listen to their friends speaking I think when are you going to get to the point because this sentence so far has had six likes in it but it hasn't actually told me anything useful. For example if I say to them uh, how was sports day yesterday and they go well it was like um it was quite boring because like we had to do the cross country and like all the other pupils i'm sure you can see what i'm getting at i find that deeply annoying but then i suppose in the eyes of my children i am an old fogey And it's quite normal for the older generation to dislike some of the ways in which the younger generation speaks. I'm sure we had fillers of our own when I was a teenager. 
that my parents found irritating. I'm trying to think back to what they might have been. I can tell you for sure that I had a friend who, back in the day, would use the phrase, he turned around and said, all the time. So there was quite a lot of turning around and saying. <laughs> so uh, if you asked him to recount a conversation and you say, uh, um, what did your teacher say yesterday? This person would say, well, uh, he turned around and said that my marks weren't high enough. So I said, maths isn't my favourite subject. And he turned around and said, well, if you want to do well at university, then you have to study harder. So maybe that was our filler at the time, turned around and said. And of course, nowadays, that would all be replaced by like. And if you ask that question, somebody would reply, well, my teacher was like, oh, you need to work harder in maths. Uh, and I was like, well, maths isn't my favourite subject. And he was like, well, if you want to do well at university, you need to study harder. That is how people use like nowadays. Now, some people have analysed this use of like, and they have pointed out that actually it is much more versatile and much more meaningful than it initially appears. For example, it has at least three different purposes in, in a sentence or in a, a chunk of speech. One of those purposes is quotative. In other words, you can use like to replace words like he said. But if you use like instead of he said, then you are implying that you're not giving an exact quote. You are not quoting what somebody said with complete accuracy. Another usage of the word like is as an adverb to replace words like approximately or roughly. For example, I might say, uh, when will dinner be ready? And I was going to say my husband would answer, oh, it'll be ready in like half an hour. But my husband would never say that in a million years. But I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you take my point. So it'll be ready in like half an hour. Uh, it took me like two weeks to get used to it. I spent like five years trying to learn the piano. This is the sort of thing that you might hear. Uh, and that is when like is being used as an adverb to mean around, about, approximately or roughly. It is also used as what is called a discourse particle. This is where you're going to find the word like in the middle of a sentence. A sentence, for example, such as this. Wow, that salmon was like the best I've ever eaten. In the middle of a sentence like this, it can be emphatic. It can highlight the fact that you are taking time to think about it or that you're somehow impressed or amazed or surprised by what you're talking about. Another example might be Look at that boy over there. He's wearing a top hat and he's like 10. And that expresses some kind of surprise or incongruity. So a lot of people would say that the word like is actually incredibly flexible, that it's not at all meaningless. On the contrary, it is meaning full. Should you then be using it when you're interpreting? Well, maybe you will already have guessed what my answer is going to be. And that answer is no. In saying that, some people would say that I am being judgmental and that language is one of the few areas where it's still considered sort of socially acceptable to be judgmental. 
When you listen to someone or when you meet someone, it would never occur to you to comment on their earrings or what they're wearing, how fat or thin they are. You have to be careful with appearing sexist or racist. And yet, I consider it perfectly acceptable to say to my children, don't use the word like so much because it sounds lazy <laughs> and uneducated. And you can't speak like that, for example, when you're in an interview. In the same way, I don't think that you should be using the word like when you are interpreting. Or at least I should qualify that and say, I don't think you should be using the word like if you interpret at the kind of meetings where I interpret. In other words, large conferences at the EU institutions, for example, where you are expected to speak with a certain level of formality. And I think the problem with the word like is not uh, whether it's good or bad per se, but whether it matches the kind of register that you are expected to produce at the meeting where you are interpreting. I think that if you start sprinkling your speech with likes, then you are bringing the register down. You're just going to sound much more colloquial and conversational. And in the kind of interpreting that I do, that's not acceptable. Or well, I don't think it is yet. Maybe it will be one day. Of course, you might find yourself in an interpreting situation where you're interpreting uh, a very relaxed conversation, a speaker who is very colloquial and who uses lots of fillers and, and slang maybe. And in that case, it might be perfectly acceptable to use the word like. But for the type of conference interpreting that I do, I think you should still eschew the word like. And there are many things that you can replace it with. Sometimes it's just completely unnecessary. Just drop it. Don't use it. Sometimes it serves a purpose in the sentence, as we've just seen, but it can be replaced with something else. For example, you can use intonation to express your surprise. Or you can use the words roughly or approximately to replace like when it's used adverbially. Or if it's the quotative like, you can just say, he said, or he told me, or in his opinion, or however else you want to construct that sentence. So there are many alternatives to the word like that you can use in order to make sure that you are producing the right kind of register when you're interpreting. Probably the hardest thing is becoming aware of your overuse of fillers like like, like. <laughs> I'm not expressing this in the best way possible. It's getting a bit confusing. <laughs> Fillers such as the word like. And I say this because sometimes I've had interpreting students who, who say like all the time, even when they interpret in the first few weeks of term. And I suppose a bit like um, it's something that people aren't always aware of. And the first thing that you have to do is become aware of it to then try to eliminate it. By the way, I recorded a podcast about whether you can eliminate ums and ers. You might want to listen to that. For like, I would start out with a similar approach if I had an interpreting student who was saying like, 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 like all the time. And sometimes they haven't even asked themselves the question. They haven't even given any thought to whether it's acceptable to say like in an interpreting situation. Because... They are maybe 21 years old. They've just come off an undergraduate degree where maybe they've had to write essays. And so they've written in a more formal style in their essays. But in speech, maybe they've never had to use a formal register, really. 
when speaking, they've just had conversations and it's never occurred to them that they shouldn't use the word like because they do every day. So the first thing is to become aware of their overuse of the word like. And here I would do things like writing down how many times they've used that word when interpreting. And then I'll say to them, in that speech, you said like 26 times. Or I get them to record themselves and go back and listen <laughs> and listen out for the number of times that they have said like. Or you can be a little bit more brutal and every time that somebody says like inappropriately, you would bang on the table, for example, or you could get everybody else in the room, all the other interpreting students to say stop every time that that person uses the word like. Now that can be very disturbing initially and completely put you off, but it's a quite rapid way to make you aware of the fact that you're overusing the word like or indeed um, or whatever your filler may be. Sometimes it's something else, like you know. I've sometimes had students who say you know every three sentences. Okay, so much for the word like. Now I want to turn to the word so, which again is used much more these days, I think, than it used to be in different places in conversations or discourse. And I'm going to cut to the chase right away to answer my coaching client's question. She was saying, why is it that I'm told to avoid the word so? The word so has a meaning as a coordinating conjunction. Coordinating conjunctions are those words that you use to connect ideas or in grammatical terms to connect clauses. Basically, they are words like and, but, and so. Of course, there are lots of variants of those words like um, furthermore or nevertheless or moreover or what have you. But basically, they, they boil down to some simple ideas like I'm going to tell you something and something else and something else, additionality. Or I'm going to tell you something but something different. So there you have contrast or opposition. Or it'll be something like, it's raining, so I've decided to take my umbrella. And there you've got cause and effect, or the so expresses a consequence. So it has meaning, it expresses a logical connection between two ideas. And in that sense, it's very important and very useful as a linking word between ideas when you are interpreting. I'm sure you know that links are an extremely important part of your interpretation because that's what allows the, the audience to understand the logic of your speech and to follow the thread of the ideas to get from A to B. However, there are many other uses of the word so, and I'll explain some of them. A lot of people use so just as a way to introduce a new idea or a new sentence just to begin speaking. Apropos nothing, they will say, so what are we doing tonight? Now there, the word so doesn't have a meaning as a logical connector. It doesn't imply consequence. It's just a word to open a conversation. And in the past, perhaps somebody would have used a different word. Uh, maybe someone would have said, um, what are we doing tonight? Or, right, what are we doing this evening? There are other fillers that can fulfill the same purpose as so. I've just mentioned right and um, sometimes well or now 
perform the same function as so. For example, people often use so to answer a question. They're asked something like, uh, how quickly do you think you'll be able to master this skill? And they'll answer, so I think it'll take me two months to get the basics and then four months to get the rest. Well, in the past, <laughs> did you see I just said well to start a sentence? In the past, someone might have used well to answer that question. I say in the past as if we're all dinosaurs and nobody says it that way anymore. That's not true. Different people use different fillers. So you'll still hear words like well, now, right, or even um, but you will also hear so more and more. How else is so used? Sometimes it's used to introduce a, a non sequitur. You're having a conversation, it's going in a certain direction, and then someone uses a so in order to say something completely different and unexpected. Sometimes it's a conversational prompt. For example, you meet someone as a, at a party and you say to them, so, how do you know my cousin? And the person says, uh, I know him from college. And then you go, so, I first played rugby with my cousin at school. Or <laughs> That was a really bad example. But anyway, the point I was trying to make was that in that short conversation, so is both a conversational prompt in the first utterance, so, how do you know my cousin? And then it's also a way to carry on a conversation, to make it continue. So can also be a way to avoid awkward silences. It can be a way to gather your thoughts just before you start speaking. It can also be a way to return to an original narrative. So it can be referential. For example, maybe I begin a conversation and I say to my friend, uh, I was doing the shopping this afternoon and something really weird happened. And my friend goes, oh, were you at Tesco? That's where I always go. And I answer, no, I wasn't at Tesco. I was at Morrison's. So I was buying an avocado and this guy bumped into me with his trolley. You can see that the so there is bringing the conversation back to the weird thing that happened in the supermarket because my friend has gone off on a tangent. In that way, so can refer back to something that was said earlier. It refers back not in a grammatical way, like a pronoun, but in terms of the meaning, the narrative of what was said earlier. Some people would also claim that using the word so in some of these ways communicates your interest. It shows your interlocutor that you're interested in what they're saying and how the conversation is going. Some people also think that it connotes authority in a way that um doesn't because um makes you sound hesitant. But the basic thing I want to say about all these uses of the word so is that they have a lot more to do with pragmatics than semantics. I don't know if you're familiar with that term pragmatics. It's a term that I encountered when I was at university studying linguistics, a subject that I found absolutely fascinating, by the way. I did a little bit of historical linguistics. I did a lot of phonetics, which I loved, because we got to think about accent, how people speak, intonation, all that kind of thing. And I also did some a little bit of semantics and pragmatics. Now, pragmatics is about not so much the, the meaning of the word, 
what it refers to, what mental image we have when somebody says dog and we picture a, a creature with four legs and a waggy tail. Pragmatics is about how words can be used to manage conversations, to guide things in a particular direction. So they have a function. Words have a function rather than a meaning. I'll give you a very simple example to illustrate that. And that is what happens when you phone somebody up. Nowadays, of course, nobody phones anybody because people send text messages and WhatsApp and phones are um, <laughs> part of the Cretaceous period and, uh, and all but extinct. But never mind, I'm old enough that I still sometimes ring people up. So you phone somebody up, ring, ring, goes the telephone, and then you hear somebody picking up, you hear that little clicky sound, and then you hear a silence. Now that is completely freaky. It will put you off your game because you expect somebody to say hello or to give a phone number or whatever it is that people do in your country or in your language when they answer the phone or maybe they give their name. If the person who answers the phone doesn't say that, your understanding of turn-taking and of how the conversation is supposed to go is completely disrupted and thrown off course and then you're likely to to say something very tentative and go hello is there anybody there or something like that that is an example of pragmatics of how conversations unfold how the turn-taking works and how you can give signals and cues with the words that you use and to my mind these more modern uses of the word so have more to do with pragmatics than they have to do with semantics because I, as I was saying, the word so is used to begin a conversation, to show somebody that you're interested, to gather your thoughts, to refer back to something you said earlier. All those things are not really to do with the fundamental meaning of the word so. To cut a long story short, the reason why this might be a problem when you're interpreting is that the word so doesn't really carry a lot of semantic meaning when used in these ways and it can create ambiguity or confusion I think if you are being taken on relay perhaps or if you're being listened to by non-native speakers or anyone who is less familiar with those uses of the word so. Of course anybody who's watched TV recently, who's watched American TV I'm sure has come across so used in this way. However, when we're interpreting, we try and use language in a very precise way. And because the word so has this meaning of therefore and can be used as a logical link, to my mind, it's better to keep it largely to that usage for the purposes of clarity. On the whole, the other uses of the word so can be dropped or substituted by something else. You can use intonation to have the same effect. You can use one of the other fillers like well, and that won't conflict with another meaning. Well isn't, doesn't have another meaning. It doesn't mean therefore or because or since or anything like that. There you are. That is a very long-winded answer to the question, why have I been told not to use the word so? The answer is really, you haven't been told not to use the word so. 
You've been advised to keep the word so to a logical connector as opposed to using it as a sort of conversational cue. However, I was telling you that I studied some historical linguistics and everybody knows, I'm sure you know, that language changes all the time. Even in my lifetime, I've seen some interesting changes. Things that I used to, I was going to say, tell my students off for. Maybe I should say, I used to advise my students to avoid saying. And now I just don't even bother telling them to avoid saying it because it's all over the press and it's on Radio 4 and it's in the papers. For example, years ago, I used to say to people, we don't say revenues in English, in British English. That is American usage. Now, I wouldn't even bother making that point. Another change that I've seen is the word concerning. 20 years ago, I would say to my students, uh, if they said, this is very concerning, I'd say, this is concerning what? (laughs) But now, people use concerning as a synonym for worrying. There's no point even complaining about that. The language has changed and you have to change along with it. Now, linguists are very non-judgmental. Linguists in the sense, people who study linguistics. They just observe the changes. And those changes are very interesting to observe. You can see patterns of usage across the country. You can, uh, for example, what what people call a bread roll. (laughs) There are some really cool maps of what a bread roll is called in different parts of the UK. In some places it's called a bap, for example. In some places it's called a bread roll. And elsewhere it's going to be called something else. So linguists like to chart the changes, but they're not judgmental about those changes. Linguists in the sense people who study linguistics. However, linguists like us interpreters or translators or language teachers are very judgmental about use of language or tend to be and I'm definitely one one of those for the reasons that I mentioned earlier because we're expected to master our target language which is usually our mother tongue to a very high standard understand the different nuances of register and use those appropriately depending on the situation I hope I've been clear enough today in saying that if you're a conference interpreter like me and you generally work in reasonably formal situations, then in your shoes I would totally avoid the word like and I would try to avoid using the word so except as a logical connector that means therefore. Having said that, I, like many other people, use the word like in everyday conversation. And I use the word so in everyday conversation. So you will definitely hear me saying things like, oh, um, I spent like 10 minutes doing that. I don't use it a lot, I don't think. (laughs) I don't pepper my speech with likes. And I don't pepper my speech with so's. But if you listen back to this podcast, you will find many places where I have used so not just to mean therefore. I think that's all I have to say on the subject today. Maybe I'll find some other fillers to talk about in a different episode of the podcast. I hope you found this either useful or entertaining. (laughs) Do feel free to fill in the little form that tells me what you would like me to speak about next. It's in the show notes 
And it's a, it really only has one question, which is, what do you want me to talk about next? I love hearing from people who have been listening to the podcast. But that is it for today. Speak to you soon. <laughs>